one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Today's episode of Wrestle Ramble is sponsored by Wrestling Arcade's Kickstarter project Pro Wrestling's Greatest Moments, a pixelated guide. Wrestling Arcade is a fantastic Twitter account, which I've been a fan of for years, that recreates classic wrestling moments in glorious 16-bit graphics like the Super Nintendo and Mega Drive, or the Sega Genesis for our American friends. You know, the golden age of video games. You may even recognize Wrestling Arcade's work from the intro of Being the Elite, and now Wrestling Arcade have launched a Kickstarter for a coffee table book version of their work, which will cover classic moments from WWE, WCW, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, New Japan, NXT, AEW, and more. The book will contain nearly 400 pages of moments hand-created in pixelated goodness. The book has already had support from the likes of Sasha Banks, Zack Ryder, Joey Janela, and Kenny Omega, so why not show your support too? Head on over to WrestlingRK.com for more more information. You can support Pro Wrestling's Greatest Moments, a pixelated guide from as little as six bucks. So support Wrestle Talk and support Wrestling Arcade. That's WrestlingArcade.com for more information. Support Wrestle Talk. Donate on Patreon. Making their way to the ring at a combined weight of undeniably sexy, hailing from London, the Russell Ramble Podcast! Hello and welcome to the Russell Ramble Podcast. I am Luke Owen and I'm joined by Chopper Pete Quinnell. Hello. Hello. Hi, how's it going? Good, man. How the devil are you? I'm good. I'm a bit tired, but other than that, I am A-OK. Yeah, you said you didn't sleep very well last no, night. No, I don't. My, uh, my lady partner is quite ill and very Aww. sick currently, so she's coughing and spluttering and moving around a lot because she can't sleep, so she's up and down and out of bed and rolling around in the bed, which means I also don't sleep very well. No. So. Sucks to be you, man. Yeah, my light sleep. sucks to be so. her as well. Yeah, very yeah. much so. <laughs> uh, have you got anything planned for the weekend? Uh, yes, there's actually a uh, a sort of festival type thing. There's going to be lots of uh, like stalls and markets and stuff, and that's uh, at a place that's right next to our flat where we live. Oh. Uh, it's at a little park uh, near near a flat where we live. So we think. Um, that, I mean, because I'm actually going to go to something very similar. Um, fill for time while I search for it. Well, we're going to have fun. We've got a couple of friends coming over for that. Uh, depending if my lady partner is actually well enough to go to it. Hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, we're planning on going out having a nice little day out in the sun because it is supposed to be sunny again. Is it summer in the square? I don't know. <laughs> 
I don't think it, I don't think it's that big. There's jazz honestly. music being played I, from twelve till two. I know that much. Okay, I I don't know. Uh, oh, right. well, I doubt I it. Yeah. Um, I very much doubt it's the same one. But yeah, I was going to say because that's in Central, it's like near Oxford. Oh so yeah, no, 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 no. Across Venetian Square. No, definitely not. Uh, not the one we're going to because this is this is literally right outside where our flat is. Oh right, um, nice. So yeah, we can literally just walk to it and walk back whenever we want. Um, stuff. But yeah, it should be good fun. There's going to be food and music and I think face painting or something like that. I don't know. <gasps> yeah. Nice. All sorts of crazy stuff. So yeah, it should be good fun. Great stuff. And then I got D and D on Sunday, which is good. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to it because my parents are coming down this weekend. It's the first time we've hosted my parents in my house. Mm. So. We've got to tidy up for starters. That's, oh, yeah. that's, that's Saturday morning, you know. Oh yeah, we need to do that when I get home tonight. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then we, my parents are coming down, and we're going to go to this uh, summer in the park and have quite a nice little time there. We've got a table booked in the evening. Nice. Um, so yeah, so I'm actually very much looking forward to having my folks down. It's just the nervousness of having to host your parents. I know. Yeah. yeah. It's really strange. I, I had that when uh, uh, when I was in my other house up north. Up and, north. Uh, up north, and uh, yeah, we had, we had to host my parents because they my one of my brothers lives in scotland and my parents live in the south so generally they'll come to ours stop over for a night or two and then go up to scotland to see my other brother up there mm-hmm. um so then they had to stay for a couple of nights and we was like well w- what do we do when they're here because mm-hmm. like w- normally my lady partner and i will just sit around we'll uh, she'll play overwatch or whatever i'll watch some videos and maybe do some D D stuff whatever i was like but we need to host what do we do like watch a film one night do we go out for a meal like do we need to get some games into end- what do we do i was so confused i was getting so tense and nervous she was like they are your parents you know they'll be fine like just chilling and i'm like i don't know about that yeah, i don't know man. <laughs> I, was, I was still very stressed out um, I had this email in from Blake Ham, which I believe you forwarded oh, on to me. Blake said, Ham. Um, I got two 80% facts today. The second is a backup in case the first one is deemed too inappropriate. Mm. When Blake was born, the doctor mistakenly cut his, insert funny word for penis here, it, excuse me, in half while attempting to cut his umbilical cord, thus leaving him with only 12 inches. <laughs> <laughs> and the backup one is Blake is, uh, is six foot three. Uh, to the gentleman that is now Blake's number one fan, brackets, I'm honestly not going to attempt to spell that name, close brackets. Welcome to the Blake Experience. Much love, the King of Swaff Nation. The Blake Experience. Wow. So do we think he's six foot three? Yes. Okay. From the pictures that he sent, that's realistic. I could also see something like a, I'd say anywhere from like a 5'11" to 6'5", because the perspective from the one picture he sent long ago, anywhere in that kind of range, I'd say it would be reasonable. So 6'3", yeah, I, I could see that. Hmm. Uh, Colin uh, Hiles, thank you very much for your email of why you think the uh, reason uh, WWE viewership is uh, has declined. It's a very interesting idea is that, that people have stopped watching wrestling because they now think it's fake. Um, it's hard to say. I think probably the rise of UFC has possibly contributed to that a little bit because why would you watch quote-unquote fake fighting when Mm. you could watch real fighting? Um, But I don't... People have known that wrestling's not real. Wrestling is quote-unquote fake for a long, long time. So I don't think that's anything to do with a recent decline. That would be way ago if it was part of it, which... It isn't. Sam also uh, Sam emails in to say, uh, Hi, uh, Luke, Ollie, Laurie. Um, I, I mean, I think he's, he's done this on purpose. He says, To like oil, Laurel, Chipper, Housemaid Simply, and not Random Anderson. <laughs> Screw you, Blake Hamilton. <laughs> in my previous email, in which I referred to my holiday in Skegfagess. 
Skeg Vegas. Skeg Vegas. I was on about Skegness. I wasn't aware that the nickname was more commonly uh, known. I can only apologize for the confusion. Also, couldn't you ut- uh, utilize El Fegador's not tying abilities to hide Vince in a cupboard for two months to see how it goes? Still <laughs> Leicester's biggest rest talk fan, Sam from Leicester. Yeah, so I read out an email where it said Skeg Vegas, and I said that Skeg Vegas? Skeg Skeg whatever? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I think it was me and Ollie, and we didn't know what he was on about. Apparently... Skegness is Skeg Vegas as a nickname. I did not know that. Um, and this is with an email in from Rachel, uh, who was the person who sent us the Magic the Gathering cards, uh, which mm. we opened on that NXT yes. episode. Thank you very, very much for sending those. Um, your, I, I will try and... Uh, I won't do your email now because it is... Uh, about 10 paragraphs, so I won't do it Crikey. just yet, but we will do it at some point. I will get through to it. Uh, Mike has also emailed to say, Hi, Luke, Ollie, Elfegador, Pete, but not Andy. I was wondering if you've seen any of the episodes of the Viceland series, The Wrestlers. I don't recall anyone talking about them on the Rambles. If you guys haven't seen it yet, I strongly recommend it. The documentary series has uh, the host, can't think of his name right now, traveling all over the world watching different cultures of wrestling. It covers the brutal hardcore of CZW to the DDT promotion in Japan, Peru to the Congo, which is next week's episode. It also allows viewers uh, of mainstream wrestling to experience promotions that some may have never heard before uh, but truly never knew the background of the company anyway i thought i'd email and ask it's a truly great series to watch for any wrestling fans take care of all the keep up all the great work uh, mr patreon 1000 mike perry i have not watched it no sounds good though yeah it does sound very very good yeah i'd very much like to watch that that's an email for laurie um and actually, I'll, I'll wait till Ollie is in to do that email. We've got a Rusev Hey uh, from Dan that we will do in the outro portion of this podcast. And we've got some get betters to go through as well. But thank you for listening to this portion. We're going to talk about uh, Heyman and Bischoff because apparently it's still a hot topic. Um, thankfully, because there was nothing else in the news this week. <laughs> Here's the show. Last week, we recorded the Saturday Wrestle Ramble on a Wednesday because of scheduling problems. We were like, we've got to do this on a Wednesday. But it's all right. I'm sure there won't be any big stories. Lo and behold, this happened. (laughs) The Derek Bischoff and Paul Heyman were announced on Thursday. Literally the day after as well. Yeah. There was a moment where we were discussing like the the story. And then I just went, the Ramble's well out of date now. (laughs) No one's going to care about Rollins and Osprey at this point. Yeah, but um, yeah. So uh, Sports Illustrated uh, revealed that Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff were going to be taking over as executive directors of Raw and SmackDown. Basically, means they're going to be running the shows with Vince McMahon signing everything off. WWE then later confirmed this story as first reported. So, gee, I wonder how Sports Illustrated got the story. Mm. And so this is where we're at at the moment. Uh, this was kind of the first week after that but the story is is that Heyman had a bit of involvement on Raw more creative pull than he's had in recent weeks he has been sort of like in creative meetings but this is like he was in charge of two segments for sure this week and there are things like the Street Profits but we'll get onto that in a second whereas Bischoff isn't he wasn't at Smackdown and he was although he was advertised to be at Smackdown it's just that the email departments and the, all the departments weren't talking to each other Bischoff is not going to be at a WWE show until after Extreme Rules because that's when his contract starts Heyman on the other hand is an on-screen character so he's there every week anyway but 
Let's go through what we know from Heyman on Raw. So we'll start with Heyman and what we can expect. Uh, this comes directly from The Observer, from Dave Meltzer, who said, Vince McMahon and Ed Kosky were the ones running the production meeting, although it was clear the Strowman-Lashley segment and the Mike and Maria Canella segment were Heyman ideas, which has been confirmed. Mm-hmm. So I found that to be very interesting because this was... The most praised Raw we've had of 2019. Raw has been a crap show for you know the first half of this year. It's been pretty much bad television week in, week out, with the rare exception of, like, that show was fine. But actually, this show, there was a lot to be positive about. And one of those segments was the Lashley-Strowman stuff. However, the flip side of that, the most heavily criticized part of the show was the Micah Maria pregnancy angle which came from Heyman, mm-hmm. which I found very interesting. Yeah, because uh, you always, uh, as soon as you say, like, oh, this is the first Raw with Heyman on Raw, and it's a great Raw, and the viewership is up, and it's all, all of this great stuff. But then you actually look at what he did, and it's the best segment, arguably the best segment, and the worst segment of the night, that could lead to some very mixed results moving forwards. Absolutely, yeah. And speaking of which, the uh, one of the other notes from The Observer is that the backstage reaction to Heyman being given this position has been mixed, but mostly positive because people okay. do see him. I'll, I'll give you the quote here. Uh, the reaction to Heyman on Raw has been mixed, but more positive than negative. There are people who recognize he is a creative genius and a master manipulator who is with the company and keeps up with the business and understands today's business as much as anyone. But there are still questions regarding his age when the keyhole in the area, uh, sorry, keyhole in the formula is reaching the young audience. His being put in such a power of position is a surprise, but if someone outside the family was going to be given such a role, Heyman, whose role on creative has expanded since the start of the year, would probably at this point have been the favorite. Mm. Um, So the age thing is interesting because you were it had it in your news this week the reason why the street profits were bringing on Raw is because one of the areas that WWE have lost is that young and teenage audience. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and they said that that was also linked in with why the street profits were there, why more younger talent will be pushed. So even though Ricochet isn't like the youngest, he's a relatively young. He's fairly, guy and he's fairly young. He's, he's, born he's in, fairly young. Born he? in '88. That is young. It's only three years younger than me. Yeah, that, and I like to consider myself fairly young. young. Yeah, <laughs> in my um, mid thirties. <laughs> so there's more, there's more younger talent being pushed. Like Ricochet's been in the main event two weeks in a row. Yep. More younger guys brought up, like Street Profits, and they want to make the product more edgy, which we also saw with the Braun Bobby stuff going through the stage. That kind of came out of left field. There was uh, Corey Graves saying "Holy S word" on commentary. He did a swear. He did do a swear. And uh, Kofi Kingston on SmackDown flipping off Samoa Joe. Yes. So there's all this other stuff of trying to make the product more appealing to the teenage demographic, mainly because of AEW was the uh, supposed reason, was that they felt like they had no choice but to try and make the product more appealing to them so they don't lose the teenage demographic to AEW. Yeah, there was an interesting note from The Observer that one of the, yeah, as you say, one of the reasons for this is AEW, but it's not just that AEW are stealing WWE's audience. They have found that group of audience uh, that has become despondent with WWE and have stopped watching and people who haven't been watching wrestling for a long time anyway who are now getting interested in wrestling. So for WWE, it's quite a smart move to then be like, we're putting on an edgier product. You bring these teenage eyes back onto the... Well, at least I, I guess that's the idea, is you'll bring the teenagers back into watching Raw and SmackDown because 
I don't know. That's what wrestling's been missing is middle fingers. It's just like it's yep. not it's not consistent storytelling or character development. It's giving the bird. Like apparently that's what we've been missing. Yeah, exactly. It's saying a swear. And and that's the thing though. It's so annoying because this was the best raw in a long time. And like one of the best things about it was a commentator saying holy s word. Yeah. And, and, like, and it's like it's so simple and stupid. But everyone still pops for it. But, like, like, but you pop for it once, but that's yeah, going to like it's, know, it's yeah. going to diminish when you do it more Absolutely. and more and more. Like the reason why it felt like such a big deal this week of like Kofi flipping off Samoa Joe and Corey saying a swear is because we haven't heard it in WWE for over 10 years. I've never understood this mentality. We see it in the comments a lot of like PG is killing WWE. I'm like, it bloody isn't. It's not. It's really not. NXT is a PG product and it's great. It's, it's the exact same level of, of and it's the it's an amazing product. You don't have to be TV fourteen to be good. That was it was a very different story in the late nineties. The late nineties, you had to like push the boundaries of things because audience expectation was very very different and audience expectations was changing along the landscapes. Jerry Springer, too hot for TV. South Park was becoming a big thing. You had to try and push the envelope as much as possible. Howard Stern was massive. Like, you know, it's all these... Howard Stern was on, like, public radio. Like, you had to do these things because the landscape was changing. But the landscape isn't that landscape anymore. It's a different landscape. We're in a different world now. You don't have to just say a swear and people were going to tune in. Like, that's not the answer to it. But as I say, I think in the, we are in an era of prestige television and what people like is consistent storytelling and good character work, good writing. It's why people shat all over the final season of Game of Thrones mm -hmm. because the main criticism was this is, not, this is inconsistent storytelling, this is bad writing, this is going against the characters that we like. This isn't what we want anymore. They didn't just say, well, I think the answer is more tits. Like, that's, yeah. <laughs> that, that's what we'll do. That'll fix the problems. Look, a dragon. <laughs> it breeds fire. Yes. Yeah. So I think it's a, it's, it's a knee-jerk reaction to just make... Like, but I, I get the reason for doing it. And I actually think that on, the, on a surface level, it is a smart thing to do. But I think the much bigger issue is focusing on the writing. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, my my young teenage brain uh genuinely popped for like the flipping off and the swearing and whatever else but like and i'm sure there are going to be some young adults who will be constantly entertained by that no matter the week if someone says f you in a week people will be like oh my god he did the thing whereas i think younger audiences and older audiences that aren't in that you know 18 to 20 no probably younger than that 16 to 20 range will probably just be like yeah but i want i want characters i want story <laughs> so i think it's smart for, to have those tiny little changes to appeal to that audience because that audience will pop for it all the time mm -hmm. you fix one bit now do the rest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that's yeah. the next bit, is just doing all the other bits that are wrong with the product. Yeah, I don't think the PG was the, the, the problem. I think the Not writing certainly is. So it'd be very interesting to see if Heyman coming in can kind of fix that thing. Because one of Heyman's big strengths back in ECW was his long-term storytelling and sort of plotting out and understanding who characters were mm. and being like this is your character he would work directly with the wrestlers to be like so Raven, what is Raven? Like what does he do? What does he mean? Working with them to create... So 
hopefully this will create a much more creative process for the wrestlers and what more creative creatively rewarding for them because they actually get to understand their characters a bit more so they can then portray them on tv in the best way they possibly can mm -hmm. that's what i, I kind of hope for for Heyman. the mike and maria stuff is a bit of a sticking point though because it is like that was a terribly bad segment yeah and it and I, th I should have seen it at the time, really, because it was soap opera stuff of, like, the announcement I'm pregnant, the I hate you stuff. And as I said on the Raw review, if this is leading to, like, a big Mike Bennett push, then yay, great. But also, we've got off on a very shaky start here because the shaky, like, the, the start of this is just like, well, you are rubbish and you are absolutely awful. So you're just telling the audience, he's crap. Mm -hmm. So then you've got to do a lot of rebuilding then to make him look good. Yeah, I think the the main thing from this is I don't know, obviously, we don't know the exact inner workings of how this segment was put together. And I don't know whether it was a case of Vince being like, we want you to bury these guys, make a segment out of it. Or it was Paul just being like, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. We don't know how it went. People like soap opera storylines. They do like soap opera stuff. And this, I think, from my possibly biased opinion, because I want Heyman to be good, I feel like this might have been Heyman trying to make the best out of the guidelines that were given to him. Mm -hmm. So I think he tried to make it like, oh, let's try and put Becky over. Let's say like, oh, she can tap out Mike and... Uh, Maria will say, like, oh, she's the man, and he's trying to make Becky this big star and all that stuff, but it just came off a bit weird, possibly because he had the guidelines of trying to make Mike look rubbish. Yeah, let's bury so, this man because his wife got pregnant. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a sticking point, but I don't, I don't think yeah. it would be... The, it's not the be-all and end-all of the product if we have one segment like that a week absolutely and I, and right. I completely agree with you on that one um because yeah it's it, there'll be a case of once he get takes over fully in two weeks if we're going to see like i would imagine the pregnancy stuff is going to be a small portion of the show whereas the lashley stroman stuff will be a much larger part of the mm. show there'll be more focus on literally. that than there is on this much yeah exactly quite literally um apparently Heyman is also a strong advocate of ricochet uh, as well as aj styles alistair black the street profits and interestingly lacey evans Big fan of Lacey Evans, apparently, Paul Heyman. So, Spot the odd it, one out. So if you um, yeah, if you don't like Lacey Evans, expect to see a lot more of her, I guess. Although I haven't said that. That was good. That was the rest we're going to get all this year anyway, because by prior, before WrestleMania, the Re Meltzer's report was, which appears to be correct, that the top three women they want to push are Lynch, Flair, and Lacey Evans. Yeah. And I mean, I don't mind Lacey Evans per se, and I'm, I wouldn't mind her... I wouldn't mind seeing more of her if she is used better, I think. If she has a more interesting character, if she displays more in-ring capabilities, or if she's just protected more so that it plays up her strengths and diminishes her weaknesses a bit more, which I think Heyman can do. That is a Heyman he, strength. If, if he's given you know the opportunity to do so. So I don't think it's necessarily be like, oh, more Evans. If she's used the right way, I think we'll be like, oh, Evans, that's cool. Yeah. And it's, so. I don't think having her go for the title twice and lose twice and get a third title shot was yeah. really the best way to put her over in yeah, people's no, eyes. For sure. Uh, the last thing on Heyman as well is that the idea as of now is that he is not going to be an authority figure and neither is Bischoff. They're just going to be a backstage role. But obviously, Heyman will continue his on screen role as the voice of Brock Lesnar possibly teasing cash-ins or something and as mm -hmm. you mentioned the raw ratings did go up this week they did curiosity bump perhaps yep. but we'll see I'm I'm optimistic about raw I really really am I think this week was a very very good show and I think once Heyman gets the once 
control. Bear in mind that Vince is signing everything off. So of course, yeah. Heyman can present the greatest ideas in the world. If Vince doesn't like them, then they're not going to make it to TV. So, but I like to think that they're going to have a nice working relationship. And apparently, mm. the working relationship has been very good over the last year or so. So, I'm I'm very very optimistic for Raw. Yeah, and I think it's a happy uh, coincidence. It's really convenient timing that they've decided to make the product a bit more edgy in the time that Heyman's taking over because I think that will fit in with him yeah. really really well. Absolutely, so, yes. Hopefully. Same, same cannot be said for Bischoff. No, um, I, I, I've been, I've, I've been on this show, you know, very open about this. I'm not the biggest fan of Eric Bischoff. He uh, had one idea in WCW and he ran that into the ground, and then he went to TNA and effectively ran the whole company into the ground. Granted, mm. wasn't all his fault. He had Russo and um, and Hogan there as well, but he didn't. He hasn't got the the greatest track record. He has just got failed TV show after failed TV show after failed TV show, and now failed wrestling company after failed wrestling company. And yet here he is now being put in charge of a brand that I actually very much enjoy because I'm a I'm a SmackDown guy. I yeah. do the SmackDown reviews. I and I think it's been a terrific show this year. And apparently that's also a feeling that is shared backstage. This is from The Observer again. It says a number of people who were in TNA while Bischoff was there were stunned at the announcement he was being hired, noting it showed just how little Vince McMahon had actually followed the industry. Mm. And then this is from this week's Observer, who said, one person involved with this noted that Bischoff has even less modern product knowledge than feared. So there was already a worry that he didn't know a lot. And apparently he knows even less than they thought. His podcast is kin awful. It is dreadful. It is so unlistenable. And I think he has he's convinced himself that he is this sort of like wrestling genius, but has shown has never really shown that outside of the NWO, which was taken from another company. Um, and uh, there's Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful is also backing up this report. Uh, a quote from one WWE wrestler said, it couldn't possibly get worse. And added that Vince is still in charge. That's all you really need to know. So what can we expect from Bischoff on SmackDown? I think that's a case of we won't really, like, I mean, obviously we won't know until his first week after Extreme Rules. That seems like the very obvious answer. Yeah. But going by his previous track records... Um, I mean, you've got the video going up on Sunday about um, what uh, Bischoff could bring to the it's table. It's actually Val that's doing it. Oh, is it Val that's doing yes, it? But you Val's wrote it. it. I did write the script for yeah. it, yes. Um, yeah, not a lot, really, from <laughs> Bischoff. You did uh, turn to me and said, what, what has Bischoff what, done? What, what, what can Bischoff provide? Because I l- l- wrote out a load of points, and I was like, all of this is Heyman stuff. What does Bischoff do? So I think we might see more emphasis on factions. Because that's kind of his thing. Which actually, I'm thumbs up for. Yeah, I, I, like I love a faction. Love yep. a faction. That's okay with me. I can dig that. We'll get sanity back. <laughs> we won't. I was going to say, I think that ship has sailed. <laughs> yeah, very much sailed at this point. Um, but then we could also see... Uh, okay, that's more of a Heyman thing. I was going to say more, more focus on promos, but that's... Definitely more of a Heymanism than it is a Bischoffism. One of the things I did like from Bischoff's TNA run was his sort of emphasis on the realism. I liked that yeah. he, I think it was a Bischoff idea, whether or not it was sort of like a, a joint creative idea, but I'm, I'm going to give the credit to Bischoff for this one, that backstage segments weren't being filmed by a camera crew stood in front of wrestlers, because it's a common criticism of like, well, why are the wrestlers having, why are the heels having this devious uh, conversation and explaining their plan in front of a camera crew that the audience can see? Because then surely 
the baby faces can also see this discussion. Mm -hmm. So their workaround of this was that meet that all backstage stuff was like filmed in secret. You had like a camera crew that was like trying to peer through a door or like a crack in a window or something like that to try and sort of like, you know, see what's going on. And I actually thought it was a really nice touch. Doesn't then help when you got Hogan going like, doesn't many fake belts you've won, brother. It's like, what? Jesus Christ, why bury everything? <laughs> So I'm hoping for that kind of element to it as well. I'm hoping that Bischoff's SmackDown is so different to Heyman's Raw that watching the two shows feels like watching two different products. I think that is the biggest thing for me. It's not necessarily that they're both going to be amazing shows. It's that they're going to be different at the very least. Because I think that is probably the biggest criticism since WrestleMania is that Raw and SmackDown are the same show. SmackDown's the Raw replay. Certainly in, the last couple in, of weeks, yeah. In the most literal of senses, they will play Raw replays on SmackDown, and they'll have the same stars from Raw appear on SmackDown. It's the same show twice. So I think if we have one person running Raw who is very, has a very different mindset to the person running SmackDown, we will get two brands. We will get an actual brand split, like a real one. Hey, maybe. We never know. Um, I'm um, So what I'm hoping for, aside from all of this, is... Bischoff to prove me wrong. Yeah, that'd be great, wouldn't that, it? That would be really, really nice because I've I've given Eric uh, a lot of stick uh, on this show over the years that I've been working here because I thought WCW in 1999 was a terrible product. It was a very, very bad show. Nitro on a weekly basis was awful. It didn't get much better until 2009 when Russo took over. It got even worse when he started working with Russo. So, mm -hmm. like, last couple of years of, of WCW are just testament that he didn't really know what to do other than, and this isn't just my opinion, this is like wrestlers have said this, Jericho's book is just like a complete burial of Bischoff at times. And so we, we, I, I'm, I wasn't a fan of that. And I was such a TNA diehard. I was, a, I was the diehard mark of marks for TNA. And they came in and ruined that company. They drove that company into the ground. They actively drove people away from watching it. So that's a concern. But I'm hoping this time round, maybe he's learned some lessons. Going by CNA run, he hadn't. But hopefully, he's learned some lessons from the two errors here, and things will be different now. Third time lucky. Third time's a charm, as yeah. they often say. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like, what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's the return of Crap Gimmick Wrestling! It's had about a month or so off while I was away and then... I didn't do it last week either because we were pushed for time. Uh, but Crap Gimme Wrestling, if you're new to this show... God, it's been so long I've forgotten how I'm going to do the intro. the intro for it. What is the intro? What it, what what the heckins is a crap gimmick? That's it, yeah, yeah. If you're thinking to yourself... <laughs> if you're asking to yourself what the heckins is a crap gimmick, well, that's a segment we do here each and every Saturday on the Wrestle Ramble where you, the SWAF Nation, send to us your crap gimmick wrestling submissions and then we, the bookers, nay promoters of crap gimmick wrestling, decide whether we want to sign them or not. If you want to send one to me, it's luke at wrestletalk.com. One more time, luke at wrestletalk.com. We've got a huge backlog of them dating back to August last year, but we now pick them. We sort of cherry pick them like a smorgasbord of crap gimmicks, and we're getting artwork done by the awesome art man Lou. You can follow on uh, Instagram at Lewis Tillett Art. That's pretty good, right? Yeah, I mean, that was that was of, pretty much spot on. It sort of fell back into it there. That was literally, was, you couldn't think of the first line, but as soon as you had that, all the rest of it just scrolled straight past immediately. I have that with films sometimes. I'm very like I'm very good at memorizing scenes from films. Like, I could probably quote you the original 1986 Transformers animated movie, 1987 rather, and, I, you know, word for word, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, with, you know, with intonations and all. But so there'll be sometimes where I'm like, God, what's the first line? As soon as someone gives me that first line, I'm like, and I'm away. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, speaking of being away, uh, this comes in from an amazing name here, Jerome Levesque Boucher. Levesque? They related to Paul? It could possibly be. This yeah. was sent to us on August 18th. His suggestion is Jake Yogi. Uh, Jake Yogi is a yoga teacher and a foodie. He came to wrestling to teach everyone how to have a healthy lifestyle. His in-ring name honors Maharashi Meshara Yogi. I don't know. I apologize if I get Who introduced uh, Transcend... Trans- Transcendental meditation to the world in the 1950s. Transcendental? Transcendental, maybe. Words. Mm. It's funny as well because um, uh, Jerome's email was just like, very sorry about the uh, my uh, English isn't my first language. Apparently <laughs> it's not mine either. <laughs> in his vignette, hyping his debut, he says, noise creates questions. Silence creates answers. Be calm and listen because the truth is inside you. Namaste. Before his debut match, we would see him backstage trying to convince main eventers to drink his magic antioxidant juice. He promises everyone that the juice will increase every superstar's performance. When they would hear the price he's selling the juice as, they tell him to F off. However, his arrival would create strange behaviors from low-card superstars. One would ask for a pay rise to the GM because he can't pay his bills anymore. Another would try to sell his car to the GM, saying he needs the money. One would even get diarrhea. All that happens a week after Jake Yogi's debut, trying to sell everyone the juice. In an investigation, the GM would find these strange behaviors are all coming from Jake Yogi, who extorts money from these superstars for his stupid juice. The superstar who had diarrhea would even miss shows. The main debut storyline, it's not the main debut, would revolve 
revolver around Jake Yogi trying to create a cult around him for his juice. For what? For money, of course. At one point, one of the champions of the show would even be in debt for buying too much juice. He would then propose to trade the championship for a debt cancellation. He has two finishing moves, the Meditation, which is a Dragon Sleeper, and Namaste, a modified Sky High, with his opponents landing in his knees. Ooh. Or with the opponent landing in his knees. Oh, that makes so much sense. Oh, because he yeah. goes into a meditation position and then yeah, I get you. Down. Yeah, That's very great. nice. I love it. See, I got confused then because I, I got sky high confused with the lowdown of D'Lo uh, Brown finishing moves. Yeah, it's my bad. Yeah, that makes so much more sense now. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking like the opponent's on the floor. For this. <laughs> uh, what do you think of Jake Yogi? Um, I like it. Question mark. Mm-hmm. I think there's an asterisk attached to that, but I think it's got some potential. I don't know how I feel about the whole money extortion type thing. That seems a bit convoluted. I think it would be better if he was just a guy that did yoga and was super calm and chill and zen. Mm. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, and then, Wasn't that Jinder's gimmick before he got injured? I forgot, <laughs> I, I was, I've forgotten the word he, he said. Shanti. Shanti, that was it. I was going to shoot uh, Shakasta, but then I realized that's a character from Critical Role, which is very different. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I I think Jake has got some promise, uh, yeah. but I, I'm with you. I kind of like, I think you get a bit too muddled in there. Really, it felt like you had the idea that they would get the championship from like debt cancellation and you mm. sort of worked backwards from there, which yeah, yeah, yeah. isn't the worst idea to do. But the problem was, I don't think that idea was strong enough to work backwards from. Exactly, yeah. Well, let's see if Kieran Rogers from October 6th can do any better. He says, hey guys, this budding addition to CG dub is an ode to the awesome and creative Japanese art of origami. Something this wrestler realized he can transform into a fighting style. A meticulous and crafty submission specialist, Mr. Origami punishes his opponents by folding them into shapes of his choosing. Cranes, lotus flowers, anything inspired by how-to origami books and YouTube tutorials. Once his work is done and the opponent is painfully locked in position, he'll often step back to admire his handiwork to a ripple of appreciative applause. Alongside handing out some pre-made origami to the audience on his way to the ring, Mr. Origami also endears himself by stopping to practice his art mid-match with any paper he happens to find at ringside, such as the commentator's notes. He simultaneously stunts his opponents uh, stuns his opponents, and wows the crowd by impressing them with his dexterous abilities. Um, but as it goes on for a little bit because he calls himself the paper champion. Um, as he, his influence grows, there's potential to expand the origami verse by having other crapsters join him and form a tag team or a stable, one with a teacher-student class dynamic, though no one can ever quite reach the perfection uh, standards of Mr. Origami himself. Keep up the great work. That's from the big crog, Kieran Rogers. Okay. I, it's a submission specialist called Mr. Origami. I, lo- I like it. I really like that aspect of it. I didn't get the bit where he was saying he'd fold them into lotus flowers. Because I don't know if you can do that with a human body. I quite but, like the visual of it, though. It's, I, I think it's quite funny. I, I, I think I like it. Because I, I, one of the uh, a spot I can think of in wrestling that I really like is when someone uh, like ties the person up. And then they're just in a ball. And then they just stand back and roll them around a yeah, bit. Yeah. That's fine. Can you do that in multiple ways? To like, so you can just sit there and just be like, "Huh, that's a human I bent out of shape." Like, yeah, I, I I see what you're saying. I quite like it though. I think it's I think there's some mileage to be gotten out of Mr. Origami. Yeah, yeah. I I, I I'm he's getting a thumbs up from I, me. At I, the I like I like the the paper champion 
and I like the origami gives out to people. I really like that aspect. Yeah, yeah there, there's there's definitely some good. There's parts some of stuff it. here. Yeah. And lastly, this comes in from Billy Radborn, who sent this to us on May fifteenth, wow. twenty nineteen. So it's it really recent. is a smorgasbord. Uh, he sent private investigator Staker, referred to as Staker from now on, PI Staker. Taker. Right, yeah. Staker is a private investigator. He spends time before his matches investigating his next opponent. He could be seen in a fashion police style detective agency where there are weekly vignettes earn, uh, aired. Rather, His attire is that of a cliche private investigator, including a pipe. So is that a cliche thing for a no, private that, that, investigator? That's just the Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. That's all it is. Uh, he wears a suit but wrestles in de- uh, dress trousers and comes to the ring uh, to a metal rendition of the Pink Panther theme <laughs> song. <laughs> Right, I've already sold on this one. Yep. <laughs> he wrestles in a style that tries to mimic his opponent. He will hit his opponent's finisher, often messing up the movement, not connecting with it at all. His finisher is the case closed. It's essentially a face buster as he's slamming a briefcase shut. He also has a submission called the Private Eye, which is a straight jacket crossface. He cuts a promo after he, uh, each match he wins, always finishing with the line, case closed. Have fun, you guys. That's from uh, Billy Radborn. So I think, um, yeah, I like the private investigator stuff, but you've sort of off- often included <laughs> the cliche private investigator thing. I've, no- I've said this before on Wrestle Rambles. When people say they wear the standard <laughs> X attire, <laughs> makes me think they've not researched what <laughs> they wear the standard train conductor attire. <laughs> They were the cliched private investigator it's attire, like, including like, pipe. I know this is the second Dungeons and Dragons reference I'm making today, but it's like a lazy DM. It's like they're wearing common clothes. They're wearing. It's like, well, what's uh, that? They're wearing a robe. <laughs> uh, yeah, I um, I do like this though. I like. I really like some parts of this. Having the promo line case closed is fantastic. Having the finisher where you're shutting a briefcase is amazing. I love that. Um, I, yeah, I think you just get a bit confused with whole, the pipe thing, and then I didn't quite get the bit with the finisher where he tried to mimic them and then not connect with yeah, it. Yeah, I that didn't get that bit either. That, that bit I would have, I, I certainly could do. I would, I would take that out of his character. Yeah, if we sure. if we were to sign him. But I think there is quite a lot to be to be gotten from this. Absolutely. I, I yeah. really, really like uh, private inv- PI Staker. Yeah. I think there's a. I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big and fan. It's, of and this. it's a terrible, terrible name as well, as you'd see in crap gimmicks. So. so I think for me, it's between uh, P.I. Staker and Mr. Origami. Mm. I do like Mr. Origami. The way, I th- the way I'm thinking now with um, CG Dub is I'm thinking, what's Lewis Tillis going to draw? That's true. But then there are some times when he can actually do something that's even better. I think his mm. Road Workers was one of my favorite ones where mm-hmm. he was doing the Legion of Doom outfits, but each of the, the spikes were little cones. <laughs> it's genius. <laughs> Really good. Um, so yeah, it's be- for me, it's between Mr. Origami and um, Pi Staker. What do you think? This is your first signee, I this believe. This is the first signee I've done. For- I feel the pressure right now. <laughs> I don't know if I can. Make- have you got a coin? I need no. No, I, I don't. I, I have, I have the, the Ridge Wallet. <laughs> yes, so do I. Um, I can. I can flip it. You note. have way too many. What the hell? You have so many cards in it. It's not so many cards. T- I've got like four. Well, way. I've got six, I think, so it's not that many more. It looks loads. Anyway. Um, got my nectar card. <laughs> Personally, I would go with P.I. Staker. That's me. Go P.I. Staker. Mm. But I don't want to influence your decision, though. Well, do you know what? I'm going to make an executive decision. We're signing bloody both of them. No! Oh, yes! Signing both of them, mate. Very good stuff. Dig, dig, dig it, dig, dig it all. 
And if you want to submit a question to the mailbag, all you've got to do is become one of our awesome pledge hammers on Patreon and leave a comment in the community section. You can do it at any dollar amount. Do not email them to me. I will just lose them. I'm very bad at this. We have got quite a big mailbag, Bragg, mm. uh, because oh, we because we did it on Wednesday. So actually people have had like a week and a half mm. to get course, questions yeah. in. So we've got stuff from like Fighter Fest. There's some Stomping Grounds holdover. There's some other bits of pieces. There's some NXT stuff. So let's get into this. This first one comes in from James J. Dillon, who says, okay, I like Io Shirai, and I think her matches are really good. But I really think her moonsault looks like crap. From day one in the Mae Young Classic, Io's Genius of the Sky moonsault has not looked like it should be her finisher. It almost looked like she's barely practiced the move. She gets zero height. It looks more like a child flipping into a pool, and she rarely ever lands clean across the opponent's abdomen. The landing is usually Io's knees and arms hitting random areas of her opponents. I know many of you will disagree with me, and that's fine. But I bet many of you can't go back and look at any of her NXT matches and honestly say, wow. What a thing of beauty. If you are hazy on what a great moonsault looks like, I'm guessing this is opinion rather than fact, mm. uh, I'll point you to Kurt Angle and Christopher Daniels' direction. Now, I will say those are two sweet moonsaults. That is all they about, particularly Kurt Angle. He is all about height and arc. It's yeah, very lovely. Very much so. I think Kurt Angle and Io Shirai are two opposite ends of the spectrum because Kurt turns really slowly with tons of height and just gets his massive arc and then slowly drops. Irish Rise is like, I'm at the top and now I am on the floor. Yeah. It is, it is rapid movement round with her moonsault. Um, That's what I like about it. I'm the same. I really like that style of moonsault because it's different. That's the thing. I don't want to see the same moonsault from every single person like they've all been taught at the same school. I want it to look different based on who it is. Yeah. I, I, I really like Shirai's moonsault because it looks like that would hurt. Yes. You have, that's really fast legs coming at your face. Yeah, the idea of the moonsault is not to look nice. At least with mm. the Shirai, it's not to look pretty. It's meant to look devastating. Yeah. And she hits the ground so hard and hits the opponent so hard, it does look like that would wind you. And I, so I, I, I really like Yoshirai's uh, moonsault, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I would also say about the comment about, uh, I don't think you could go back and say, oh, what a thing of beauty. I can. Uh, there was an NXT takeover when... Uh, the Kairi Sane Shayna Baszler match. Yes. When Io Shirai came out to help and Dakota Kai, I think, came out to help as well. Yeah. And then she did the moonsault off the turnbuckle onto the floor and I was like, that is amazing. Mm. Yeah, that really looks nice. incredible. Yeah, so... Shane, yes, Shane Cowley, uh, obviously in reference to Fighter Fest. Unprotected chair shots are never a good idea. Amen to that. Spears uh, split Cody with the uh, roll on the back of the chair. Do you agree that AEW should ban unprotected chair shots? This has led to a story. Uh, this may lead to a story banning them, but I believe they should never have done them in the first place. I agree with you, Shane. I do think I that they should ban unprotected chair shots. I think there's no place for them in wrestling in 2019 in a post-Benoit world. Now, I know we got some flack on uh, Monday's video when we did our Fighter Fest mm. review because we took the stance of concussions are bad. I, yes. I guess is what we, we got some blowback for. Sure, yeah. Um, and some people saying that Benoit didn't get them from unprotected chair shots. He got them from doing the diving headbutt. Mate, a concussion's a concussion. Like, it doesn't matter how <laughs> yeah. you got it. He still got concussions. And doing these sorts of unprotected chair shots are just going to lead to concussions. Exactly. As Housemate Simon pointed out in the office, even if you don't get diagnosed with a concussion, there are still symptoms of a concussion lingering even if you aren't diagnosed with one. So just doing them. Like, uh, the, the way I would put this is it, it, this story would have been so much different, and I think the reaction to this would have been so much different if this unprotected chair shot had given him a concussion and he had to retire. <laughs> imagine. Like, imagine, like, and, imagine. And, and you would have thought, like, 
and it was so unneeded. It was so necessary. Yeah. If Cody had had to retire off the back of this, thankfully he didn't. Yeah. Thankfully, it went as well as it probably could have done for such a botched spot. Mm. And you're like, there was so like, would was that the way you want to go out? Like, was it needed? Was it necessary? Exactly. Yeah. No. That's the thing. It's just so dangerous. There's so many downsides to so few upsides. There's it's just not necessary at all. Mick Foley, right. yeah, Mick Foley tells the story that he once drove home and just drove past his house because he forgot how to. He forgot where he lived. Forgot where he lived. Uh, Bubba Ray Dudley's got the story of in the. I think Jericho tells it. He's in a ladder match with. Um, I think it was with uh, Jericho and Benoit, and he got hit in the head so hard that he got a concussion during the match and forgot how to climb a ladder. <laughs> And was constantly asking, um, how's my mother doing? And his mum had died. Like, and just like, we kept asking, like, where is she? So concussions aren't good. Unprotected chair shots, no. no good. I think they should be uh, done away with. Yeah. Noah Trombley says, do you think us as wrestling fans have gotten so used to being critical of WWE that we do it now without even thinking about it or giving WWE a fair chance week to week? I feel like hating WWE is the cool thing right now that people just crap on it without actually watching what they put out. I know the overall product is bad at the moment, which kind of undermines your original point, uh, <laughs> but I feel the actual good performance and matches are forgotten about because no one pays attention and just focuses on the negative aspects. Yes, pretty much. Uh, Not entirely. It's not just like... I think some people, not everyone, will watch WWE to see what's bad. Uh, To see what they can make fun of this week. Uh, I know when I watch... When when, like you were on holiday and I had to watch SmackDown and stuff, I was watching it and making notes and thinking, oh, what can I make a joke about? What can be in my script for for later kind of thing? And I think it's very hard to go week to week with a completely clean state and be like, right, I'm excited to watch SmackDown. Let's see what they put out this week. Because when you get burned week after week after week after week after week of them not putting on a good show, it kind of conditions you to expect not a very good show. So you already have the mindset of, this isn't going to be very good when I watch it, which then puts you in the mindset of looking out for the negatives so you can spot them. However, I think we, I mean, we all praise Raw this week for it being great. And there wasn't that many very bad segments. So I don't think we're predisposed to be negative overall about it, but I think that we can be sometimes overly critical about stuff that would be fine had we not had a bad product for a while beforehand. I think there will always be portions of fan bases that are just going to hate it regardless of what they do. Yes. And that's you, you, you can't get through to those people. They're mm. just... And, you know, more for them, they're watching a product they don't like for the sole yeah. purposes. They don't want to watch it. Mm. I, I don't get that. I want to. I, I watch this because it's my job. But there have been times this year where I think Raw has been so bad. I think as an as a fan on the outside, I would have stopped watching. But I probably would have kept up with the product. I would have you know read reports. I would have Absolutely. listened to podcasts that have done this and the other. But I would have stopped watching it because I don't. I don't want to waste three hours of my life watching it every single week. I do it because it's my job. But I don't think that I go into Raw expecting to hate it. I go in. I, there, as I've said before, I went on holiday though. I have woken up at times, gone like, I don't want to watch the show. I really don't want to watch the show this week because I've, I've had to get myself up, and I, I just I don't want to I don't want to watch it. But I watch it, and I will have as open a mind as possible. And when something pops me, I'm like, that's good. That was really good. But then I think the product has been that bad this year. The majority of the time, it has been that wasn't very good. But I don't think that's a case of going in there to hate it. Um, Abinav uh, says. 
Hey, Luke, Ollie, Laurie, Pete, and Name Retracted. After seeing Fighter Fest and Double or Nothing, I have a feeling that AEW is trying to reproduce the hardcore stuff from the Attitude Era to bring back the old fans. Uh, but is this a long-sustaining plan? Instead of having proper storylines, they have blood and violence, which is good for short-term planning. But in long-term, it's harmful to wrestlers and wrestling as a whole. Lots of love. It's unfair to say having proper storylines. We've had two shows. We haven't got a weekly product yet. Exactly, yeah. It's, it's hard to do proper storylines when, yeah, like you said, you don't have a weekly product. You've only done two shows. And I think they're doing decent storylines storytelling with what they have already anyways so it's hard logical to... storytelling exactly yeah so it's hard to it's hard to talk about the storytelling front till the weekly tv show starts i'd say um but i mean i think they're trying to be more hardcore to appeal to a teenage fan base is what we were talking about before with wwe trying to make their products more edgy is to try and not have aw capitalize on that teenage demographic so much uh, so i think they're they're not just trying to replicate the attitude era they're not just going to go full uh, you know, dis- 14, d- disrespecting yeah, yeah. women and having intergender matches where the guys just powerbomb ladies through tables and all that crazy stuff that the Attitude Era did. Uh, but I think they are trying to be not... They're trying to be a bit a bit more edgy, a bit more hardcore, uh, which isn't necessarily the worst thing in, on, in the world. I think it but... puts the... As you say, it kind of puts the name into people's mouths because it's not something that's done on sort of a mainstream level mm. so i think there is a, certainly an, an argument for that but like tony kind of said that this might be on pay-per-views but it's certainly not going to be the tv it doesn't reflect what the tv product is going to be week to week i'd also say as well like the moxley janela match felt like that was the match that they wanted to do yeah and actually and i did enjoy it i, I said it in the review i thought it was just you know spot do a spot do a spot do a spot do a spot but um actually, and i thought melton made a really interesting point about it where he's like the match felt like it was a blow off to a feud but actually, it was only their first encounter. Yeah. So, and I agree with that. I think that's that match should have been saved for a later date, or at least that style of match should have been saved for a later date. It's just the I think that's the match they wanted to do at that time, and that's the creative freedom that they were given. So it'll be interesting to see where we go from there. But Owen Newton also says, "Hi guys, was it what? Mm, try that again. Hi was oh dear me, <laughs> I haven't had my lunch yet, folks." Uh, Owen says. Hi, guys. Was listening to your stomping grounds review, and I was thinking about the solution to the steel cage door issue. I think the answer might be more doors. What about a door each side of the cage where the rule would be only one person can leave through? This would then help with the door issue or of someone just jumping out. So I I haven't seen stomping grounds, but I believe the finish was Dolph was about to get out the door and then Kofi just jumped through it, right? Kofi essentially did a suicide dive through the ropes over Dolph Ziggler and, and went out the ring. Doors in steel cage matches suck. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the actual right. so the solution is less doors. Less doors. Just get rid of the door. It ruins everything about the match. Because there was a point in the match as well where uh, Ziggler hit a super kick onto Kingston. And he fell towards the door. And the ref opened the door. Mm. My understanding is you have to ask the referee to open the door so you can leave. Yeah. That's my but guess. now, because Kingston was near it, it got opened. Right. So why don't you just go near it then and then just leave, just <laughs> dive out of the ring like Kingston did. It, 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 it There's no logic to it and it ruins all suspense in the match and I can't buy into it because as soon as someone starts climbing the cage, I'm like, why? Why are you climbing the cage? Go walk out the door. To be honest, if I was running a wrestling promotion and I was doing a cage match, I'd have gone with escape the cage rules as well. Yeah. Because for me, the whole point of a cage match is it's meant to be you're stopping outside interference and... 
or these two guys are like you have to like lock them inside a cage because they hate each other so much and if you hate this person so much why are you then trying to run away from them and get out of a cage like that it really and then you've got the problem of people going to the top of the cage not climbing down and jumping off to do a big high spot so if you remove the escape the cage solution as well and just have as a pinfall thing inside a cage without rope breaks mm-hmm. then that that for me fixes all problems yeah, exactly. And if someone climbs the cage to do a big high spot from the top, yay! And it makes sense because you're like, oh, they're risking it all because they hate this person so That's much. Right. And Rather yeah, than just it sort works. of climbing down. Yeah. Uh, Team Hammerfist says, uh, well, I do think the Undisputed Era doing war games for a third straight year isn't the most inspired choice. What if it was UE as the faces defending the honor of NXT against the big heel faction from across the pond in Imperium? Whoa. Now, so- I saw someone else suggest this and it made me go like, Actually, yeah, that's quite good. Yeah, that's Undisputed really good. Era versus Ring Camp. Oh, oh in yes, war games. please. I'm, I'd be down for that. 100%. I'd be so down for that. And and honestly, I'd put all my faith in NXT to write a good story for it as well. Yeah. So I'd be well down for it. It wouldn't even just be like these teams are here now. I would I would have faith that they would have a good story leading into it too. So yes, please. I'd want to see that. Problem is, is that people would need to care about NXT UK. G.G. Uh, Braxton. No one's going to Cardiff. G.G. Braxton says, One of my most disliked storylines over the last few years was the John Laurinaitis authority storyline. Mostly because I enjoyed Triple H in the Raw GM role. Honestly, I forgot that he was Raw GM, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Uh, I do remember Johnny Ace, though, because that was, mm-hmm. the, that was when Punk was the champion, but he wasn't really the top guy. Yeah. However, I fully appreciate the need for that storyline to give Cena that post-rock love back. The problem, it just went on for months longer than needed with that in mind do you think the shane authority storyline is going too far or in fact it's worse <laughs> not any dragging on it's taken over too many segments i i, I we can stop this now yes yeah yes, got, i mean we've talked about it so many it's times. going on for too too long yeah like and it's it's part of like almost every joke we make about shane now on this show is about him consuming the entire show yeah, we hate Shane being in this position. We don't hate Shane. Just want to put that out there. Yes. We don't like the fact that he has now become this huge authority figure and is taking over shows and beating Roman Reigns and all this other stuff that he's been doing because it's not fun. It's not fun to watch. Yeah, Brian Alvarez made the point recently because they've been doing, uh, they've been watching Raw and Nitro from the start. So they started in 1996. They're now in 2000. Mm. And he made the point that he goes, I'm watching an episode of Raw from 2000. And the big storyline is Shane is all over the show <laughs> teasing a WWE championship match. It was 19 years ago. And he, uh, had, yeah, anyway. Sean Dunn says, firstly, you guys have made wrestling enjoyable and watchable again. Thank you very much. Thank you. Secondly, you guys have been talking about uh, a wrestler to turn the tide in WWE. I think it's Adam Cole on Heyman's Raw, but unfortunately, without the Undisputed Era. A Cole versus Rollins rivalry for the Universal title would be awesome. Thirdly, my question is should Sting adapt the Bailey gimmick so he gets Sting Bailey? <laughs> very good. Very, very good, very yes. good Sean Dunn. Imagine that. Um, and I agree with you that I think Adam Cole could be a really big deal on Raw, but with the Undisputed Era, because you're right, a Cole versus Rollins rivalry would be awesome. But with the Undisputed Era, it's mm. even more awesome. Yeah. Like, admittedly, I wasn't I wasn't too familiar with Cole before he came to WWE. Uh, I know he was part of like Bullet Club and all that stuff and some of the things that he'd done, but I'm not I'm not super super familiar with the things he's done prior to WWE. So I don't know what he's like as a pure singles competitor with a pure singles run in a company. I imagine he's very good because he's Adam Cole. Baby. Baby. 
But I think I've just seen him so long in Undisputed Era, and I know how amazing that group is, that I think it would be shame. Uh, it would be a massive shame to not capitalize on how great they are. Yes, that's what I, you're looking for. I'd much rather have Undisputed Era come up, and if at some point they want to split the group up, I don't think you should. I think you can keep them together for their entire careers if you wanted to. But if you want to split them up at some point, then maximize that group first. Get get everything you want to do with that group out of the way first, then split him up, and then see what Cole can do on his own. I think we actually we just worked out what Bischoff's going to do on SmackDown. He's not yeah. going to take the Undisputed Era. He's just going to do a different version of it, give it a different name, and then say that he came up with it. That's a great shout. And yeah. then just keep adding members to it and run it into the ground. Yep. Uh, Gigi Baxter is back again, who says, uh, for many years, people have questioned Triple H over his position in the company and how it relates to him getting big matches at big pay-per-views. However, in the three pay-per-views that the Elite have put on, they have all won or drawn their matches by Kenny Omega losing to Jericho, yet no one is commenting on it. Do you think this is a case of just putting your best foot forward ready for live TV? A missed opportunity to build new stuff for a smart crowd or could it be looked at them scripting themselves to be on top of their own company something wwe have been criticized for in regards to triple h shane steph and ignoring indie and wcw stars over wwe ones so i think this is a very interesting point very my interesting point. argument to that would be because you are right the elite have won all of their matches but they're also the most over people on the card mm. and so the, i think it would be foolish to not put your most over people at the top of the card. Yes. When Triple H had his reign of terror, he wasn't the most over person, but he was still on top all the time. And I think him being put into these big matches now, do you see the reports from the Japanese uh, shows? No. God, they were so funny. If, if, if you answer this question, because I, I wanted to read that because it really made me laugh because it's the most Triple H thing I've ever read. Amazing, yeah. Uh, I've actually forgotten the question uh, about about the so, yeah. question themselves most. Uh, so yeah, I think, yeah, they're, they're definitely the most over guys and I think they should be in the biggest matches on the card. I don't necessarily know about them winning all of them, but I mean, it's only been two shows. So I think it's too early to say uh, because I think if they have some sort of Lucha Bros, Young Bucks, third encounter, and the Lucha Bros lose again, I think then you're starting to make a case to be like, right, why aren't these guys winning? They're really good kind of thing. But I think it's too early to say that, like, oh, they're, they're pushing themselves too much. Because like you said, they're the most over people on the card. They should be in the biggest matches, and probably the longest matches, by extension. But I mean, it's been two shows. You can't say they're on, like, a win streak or a lose streak or whatever it may be. Because we need to have more shows first. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And also say with, like, in regards to Cody, his, his match at Double or Nothing was to really put over Dustin. Yeah. And the match at Fighter Fest was to put over Darby Allen, Which went to a time limit draw. Yeah, and it's, it's very much a case of the uh, AEW, from what we have read and what we've heard and stuff, they're all behind these new guys. And they're using their star power. So, like, the Bucks using their star power. Omega wants to use his star power to kind of, like, you know, make the, and elevate these younger guys and give them a platform to shine on. So while, yeah, they have won, uh, to your point, it's only been three shows. If like if it's if we're looking at this in a year's time and they haven't lost a match, mm. that is when you could say like, oh guys, I mean, I think it's, it's starting to take the piss a little bit. Here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But in regards to um, so J WWE did their tour of Japan last mm. weekend. And they did two shows. Yes. Triple H wrestled on both shows, and this just this was wonderful. AJ Styles and Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows teamed with Triple H to Heard take on one. Baron Corbin, Drew, uh, Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, and Samoa Joe. You're like, oh, Triple H aligning himself with three huge New Japan stars to mm. like, you know, make himself look really good. And then on the second show, um, he took on Joe and Rude, uh, teaming with Nakamura. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> 
Um, and I believe oh uh, Triple H won both matches as well. Like course, he, he yeah. pinned Corbin in the first match and um, he uh, pinned Joe with the pedigree on the second match. <sighs> it's like when he um, had that match with Jinder in India and won. And won, yeah. <laughs> Admittedly, that was at the very, very, very tail end of the gender experiment. The, the gender experiment, which had yeah. died, died a death by that point, you're right. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Tyrrell Reeves says, Do you think that NXT could someday have its own version of the Hall of Fame? It would be a great way to give guys like Breeze, Balor, Owens, and Nakamura uh, to get acknowledgement for the epic matches they had during their time there. They'll just go into the WWE. Well, actually, I don't know if they'll go into the WWE Hall of yeah. Fame. Well, actually, well, no, they will do because they'll run out of names eventually and just have to they put will. these people in. If they keep doing like 17 million names a year then yes, they will run out of people eventually. Uh, I'd like to see some sort, not necessarily a Hall of Fame, but some sort of acknowledgement. An honor of, segment. Yeah, yeah. Of, of the NXT That's guys. That's what I was going to say, yeah. Um, like you said, for, for Breeze, Balor, saying Owens, oh, Nakamura, they're all, all great shouts. Um, I'd also throw in Joe as well there. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's important to acknowledge the different aspects of NXT and the people that carried that brand for a while, because if their verbiage is to be believed it's their third brand mm -hmm. so you'd think that the faces of their third brand would get some sort of acknowledgement for it but, but the, uh, to your point there it's the third brand that means well, do we need to have a Raw Hall of Fame and a Smackdown Hall of Fame as well but I think like the NXT thing I like the idea of like honouring people but mm -hmm. like for me then you're taking up a segment on a, on a takeover show yeah. which, which could be a match yeah I, mean, I, I wouldn't mind if it's like a quick like two minute thing per takeover and say this month's thing we're gonna have we're gonna talk about this person and we do a quick little video package for him and be like hey they're in the crowd hey they're waving to him yeah. and now on to the next match that's fine good work good work uh, James Dillon also sent in some endgame facts which I'm not gonna read out here because I'm still a bit wary of doing endgame spoilers because I, I said something about Infinity War and someone had a pop at me for giving an endgame spoiler away uh, I mean, well, yeah, you know. okay well don't <laughs> don't watch the screen stalker video from yesterday then <laughs> because we talk about endgame I'm so wary of it. Uh, Ashley Richardson says, with uh, sorry, with AEW looking to put a heavy emphasis on wins and losses, do you think they run the risk of having a predictable product? I.e., if one lesser has a better win-loss record, then they will be winning the match. Also, do you think that they'll be criticized for being just like WWE if a wrestler with a worse record beats a better wrestler with a higher win-loss record? Just feels to me that it'll be harder than you would think to strictly upkeep wrestlers' wins and losses. Like, I, I mean, I, I, I kind of see your point, Ashley, but like UFC, keeps track of win-loss records and that doesn't make it predictable no not at all and I, I think we're in we've almost been conditioned in the WWE mindset to have a pecking order uh, from top to bottom on the entire roster so when you look at a matchup you can say well this person will be beating this person if you're looking at a weekly television show bar shock roll-up wins or whatever it is you know this person should be beating this person and I think the same could ring true for AEW, if you have person with a better record facing someone with a worse record, but you have so many other aspects going into it that it doesn't make it predictable who's going to win, as long as they book it correctly, which I have faith in AEW to do. If you look at something like the G1 in New Japan, you have their top champion entering it, and they will lose matches. That's just part of the that's part of the tournament. If they lose a match, that person gets a title shot later down the line. That's just how it goes. The G1 is inherently unpredictable because people will win out of nowhere that you wouldn't expect to win. But it's not done as like, oh, shock, roll up victory or whatever it is. That's just because they're good. They will get clean victories over people that are supposedly better than them. So it's not predictable in the slightest. And I can see something similar for AEW. 
Yeah, and it's not a case of just people going on winning streaks. It's just that if you win matches, it leads to something. Mm. And I, I, I go, I'm going to go back to this point. I've said this point a fair number of times in, in sort of like criticizing WWE that at stomping grounds, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn beat New Day clean in the middle of the ring. Yeah. And then the following week on SmackDown, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are split up. New Day are getting a title shot. So you're like, well, why, how, why are they getting a title shot? They lost. Also, why are you splitting up this team? They just won their first match in ages. So that, that's where wins and losses should matter. And that's what I'm thinking with AEW. It's not about like keeping tracks of wins and, and, and sort of like they've been going on X amount of winning streak unless that's your storyline you want to be telling. It's just that if you win matches, it leads to something. And if you lose matches, that leads to something. Exactly. Uh, rather than it just being whatever. It means every match has a point. Yes, that's as it. well. Yeah. Uh, Scott Agrilla uh, has got a long uh, email here. We've had quite a few um, long-ins in, Bragg. Um, this is going to be a bit of a multi-part question. Maybe your sex tape. <laughs> Hopefully the subject matter is something to your liking, as it is mine. Um, I was wondering what your favorite style of beer is. I know Ollie likes stouts and porters, and Luke likes an IPA. What about Laurie, Pete, and Simon? I know Randy is teetotal, or so it seems. Uh, What's your favorite kind of beer? My favorite kind of beer is a cider. <laughs> I Child. Don't, I, don't, I don't really drink beer too much, I'm so joking, I generally drink cider. So that's, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to tell this story because it's my favorite story. Uh, but we went for a drink <laughs> so with, with one of our website writers. He's 18 years old. He came to the office. Um, it was the first time we ever got a chance to meet him. Such a nice kid. I mean, you know, going to university and stuff like that. We Great had a guy. really nice chat. I've, I've chatted to him quite a bit. Lovely, lovely guy. And we thought, we'll go to the pub across the road. It's a craft beer pub. Love that place. We're going to go there in a couple of weeks. And I'm genuinely so looking forward to going back. And they've got like all the beers up on the. It's like a beer menu and stuff like that. And he walked in and he's just sort of like, you know, 18 years old. So, and I completely understand his, his position here, being a bit sort of like overwhelmed by the whole thing. So I literally walked in and was like, I'll have one of those because I knew what I was after. And he just asked this bartender at a craft beer pub, what's the closest thing you've got to Strongbow Dark Fruits? <laughs> amazing it's an incredible line Such a great, i love it great question uh the second part of my question uh, this is back to uh scott's message the, se- the second part of my question relates more to the geography of beer i'm listening to your entertaining banter during the various rambles i've heard luke in particular comment on the abv of a given beer on the most recent ramble club for example the new england ipa you were enjoying would be 6.2 and whatnot like luke i'm a big ipa fan three of my personal favorites and he goes through his favorites here which are um a nine uh, 7.7 and nine and an 8.5 respectively oh, there's a heavy beers those mm. are big in their ABVs uh, the latter two also have IBUs approaching or exceeding 100 I guess this is more directed to Luke but can be directed to Ollie as there are equivalent imperial stouts and whiskey barrel aged stouts available here have you gotten to partake in such are there British strong style equivalents <laughs> uh, if not I'd love to, uh, to send you some samples if I can navigate the le- legal minutia involved in such a task in certain states beer of high of higher abbas are treated more as spirits as far as distribution so being across the pond i wasn't sure what it is and wasn't available to you take care uh, listening to you is uh, makes the most mundane a tolerable task nice. we do have very strong beers uh, over here we do have our british strong styles uh, if we're gonna go in fact that's what i'm gonna start calling them from now on because <laughs> yeah. i love that um so yeah we do have uh, stronger beers uh, I, I i'm more of like a i like a session beer Mm-hmm. I like a blow of 4.5. I think it's nicer. The argument is, and uh, this came from uh, Ellis James and John Robbins when they were on Radio X, which is like, you can drink them more and not get as much drunk. So, yeah. But if you have the really strong stuff, you have a couple of those, you, you, you know, yeah. you're arsehole. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have session stuff, you can keep drinking. You're not as pissed. Yeah. It's lovely. And, it, and it's a nice little gentle buzz instead. I guess that just depends on what your end goal is. Yeah. If you want to just have a nice time, probably drink your one. 
if you want to get drunk, maybe drink the other one. Also, I mean, I I, I, I drink beer because I like the taste. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and actually, sometimes a higher ABV can give you a nice uh, nice taste, but I don't know. I like, I like a session ale. Mm. Uh, Will Hate says, got it figured out, lads. After losing at Extreme Rules as the dead man, biker slash UFO enthusiast Undertaker comes back and challenges Drew McIntyre at SummerSlam. Uh, Drew beats him easily. After the match, Undertaker and Drew shake hands and Drew becomes the new biker taker and the Scottish psychopath hops on Taker's bike and rides off down the Scottish cycle path. Sorry for the spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's not give people old gimmicks. Uh, But I I like it. It's good stuff, Will. Yeah, it's great. Um, He signed that off. Sincerely, Anna's man partner's number one fan. Which is very good. (laughs) That's great. Uh, John Dunn says, I think you guys are at your best right now. This is your attitude, Eric. Your videos and Patreon stuff is just fantastic. It's a good S-word. My question, do you Thank think you. that MJF could be the main event player of AEW as a babyface? That moment of MJF and Sean Spears on the road to fight for the fallen, I think that's a moment we might look back on. Imagine the day when MGA fights for more than just himself. How great is it to talk about any other wrestling sh- another wrestling show like AEW? So can you see M- MJF as a face? It's so hard to see it now. But, like, I've said similar things about other wrestlers before and been proven wrong. Like, Sami Zayn will never work as a heel. He does. Uh, I can't remember who else I've said it about. But I've said it about other people that have turned and then proved me wrong. Um, so, yes. I'm, I'm just going to say yes to all face and heel turns now because I don't think it's fair to judge them when you haven't seen it. Yeah. That's the thing, because you don't know how well these people are playing their characters as they are now and how well they could play a different character. So I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I, I mean, I looked at The Miz as a good example of this. Miz, 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 yeah, there's one. Miz's babyface turn he had in like 2012 or whatever it was. I think it was, was yeah. hot garbage. It was, it was terrible, wasn't it? Terrible, terrible babyface run. Terrible decision from start to end. And I was like, he's so good as a heel. Like, you can't mm. turn him babyface at this point. But he actually had a very good babyface run this year. Problem was, is that they, the it was just to get Shane over. Yeah. So as good as he was, he's had nothing off the back of it. And actually now, I think the Miz is a bit crap. He's fine. He's so much better as a heel. Yeah. And but that's, and that, but that's what I'm looking at now. It's like I wish he'd just go back to being a heel again because yeah. his babyface run, while it was good at the start, has just farted out since then. It really and has. And I'm, I'm not as interested in it. And anymore. he's apparently still feuding with Shane. Perhaps. Apparently that's <laughs> a thing. Uh, Dwayne Cooley says happy. Saturday, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Dwayne. Uh, WrestleTalk crew, when you guys get to uh, 1,500 Patreons, which is when we're going to put on our own wrestling show, mm. will you put on an AEW-esque show or make CGW come to life? Uh, I'd imagine we'll be doing an AEW-esque show. That's what I would like to put on. Um, I would but love I, to do a CGW. I, I, would, I would be tempted to do like one CG dub match. Like it would mm. be a co-promotion Yeah, match, that's great. Yeah, and yeah, you get yeah. like... Because Chris Brooks, if we could get Brooks involved, he'd love it. Like, he'd yeah. be well up for it. Um, he says, BS, if you're looking for a writer in the US, I'm extending the offer. Well, Twain, you want to get in touch with Andy at WrestleTalk.com. Get involved with the website. Uh, Joe Madalena has got a very, very long email here, which I've tried to, like, condense down as, as much as I can do. Uh, it says, hi there, everyone at WrestleTalk. I wanted to write in to talk about something I've noticed. Lately, it's got to do with a wrestler's aura. It's why some wrestlers have it and what can make or break wrestlers career cody rhodes comes from a legend wrestling family and has had his hype about him for some time but i've never really felt it until watching fighter fest obviously knowing he's great in the ring wrestling character but seeing him stand across the ring from darby allen made me feel his greatness as i literally filled up my living room for the first time it's not just the size difference between them but him standing next to this young kid that no one had hardly heard of or seen wrestle before made me realize that cody is one of these peoples with a great aura about them and that was before they even started wrestling she goes on to say that it was her favorite match of the 
night. She goes, so I'm not comparing her to Cody Rhodes or anything, but I think Lacey Evans' expressions as a means of really feeling her character, not being intimidated by Becky and not giving AF, is what gives her a unique aura and stands out from someone like, say, Naomi or Natalia, who are great wrestlers but don't have an aura around them. Uh, so getting to the question part of this, has there ever been a wrestler who has had such an incredible aura around them that you could feel it through the TV even before they started wrestling? Whether it's someone you saw for the first time, like me watching Darby Allen, or someone that took you a little bit to pick up on, like Cody Rhodes for me. I know Luke will probably say Keith Lee, but is anyone you can think of? Uh, if you managed to read all of this, thank you. Uh, it was a lot of uh, genuine thoughts and feelings written here to other wrestling fans. Also, I'm going to start work on my two-page thesis of Alexa Bliss's character, as I said <laughs> I would do. LOL. Much love from Gloucester Down Under, Josephine Madalena. Can you let me know if I'm saying your name as well, uh, right as well? Because you said that you'd give me a chance to get it right, and I feel like I have. But you, you, And the fact Madalena. that you haven't corrected me makes me think I did get it right. Madalena? 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 I think it's Madalena. But I could, I'm willing to be wrong. Madalena. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway Madalian. Uh, <laughs> Pete, has there ever been a wrestler where they've just had such an aura about them that you yes. instantly have gotten into? Yes. Yes. But I can't think who. <laughs> I, I, when you were describing that feeling of like the aura coming through the TV and it fills up your living room, you can feel... I, I recognize that. And I'm like, yes, I've definitely felt that before. When? And I just can't think of when that is. But yes, that feeling has absolutely happened. But I just can't for the life of me remember who it is or when it happened. Uh, for me, it's The Rock. Uh, the Rock was like, it was the, the, one of the first guys that I just, I properly fell in love with as a wrestler because he had just untold amounts of charisma on screen. And, you know, I, I can almost remember spot for spot his match with Triple H at Backlash when he wins the title, Backlash mm. 2000. And that moment of him holding up the title at the end of it and just like the crowd is going ballistic. And you feel that. And mm. I was like, I was like, he is just, he is a superstar. Like yeah. in modern day, you know, it's absolutely Keith Lee. It was like the first time I saw him, like this guy's incredible. Like, yeah, absolutely. And the other one uh, is um, Raven, obviously. Of course, yeah. I've thought of it. Yes, there we thought go. Thought of one. Pete Dunn. Yeah, great shout. Great shout. Pete Dunn. And that was before he ever, uh, before I saw a wrestling move from mm. him. I saw him walk down to the ring and I was like, I'm sold. Yeah. I'm so sold on everything you're doing right now. Yeah. So yeah, he has absolute star quality written all over him just from the way he moves and looks i was like so in my uh my best man john um at my wedding he texts me almost almost the exact same thing when he watched the it was the first time he'd ever seen him and he texts me uh while watching the uk tournament being like pete dunn's incredible yeah like he's my, <laughs> he's my new favorite wrestler yeah um team lol says can we just end the wrestle ramble extra poll now because Invasion is running away with it at the moment. <laughs> um, yeah, Wrestle Ramble Extra, if you're new to this, is our Patreon-exclusive podcast. Um, and yeah, it looks like we're going to be doing Invasion this month, which I'm actually surprised we didn't do last month, really. Um, and uh, Tattoo Koopman says, Hi guys, I'm almost uh, through this month's Patreon podcast, and I found it to be the funniest content since Ollie reading out his Pornhub poem. Maybe one of my all-time favorite WrestleTalk moments. Just as a quick aside, for that, when he read out his Pornhub poem, I was on a bus going <laughs> home. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life to not laugh out loud on that. But it was... I was in pain from trying not to laugh so much. It was genuinely Continue. great. Continue. Um, uh, if it's okay with your lady partners, can we get another drinking game next month? Also, how was the Pisco hangover? On that, like my, my, my wife actually wasn't mad that I, I got home a bit, like, I mean, I say a bit, much later and, late. and, and much more drunk than I intended to be. <laughs> it is hands down, though, my favorite Ramble Club episode we've ever done. It I was. I don't know if I've heard it, honestly. Oh, man, I mean, it's, and it's, it's fine. I mean, you, you've got free access to it. I but it's, um, it was genuine. My, my wife said it was funny because she does listen and she says it was funny, but at times it's unlistenable. 
<laughs> and I was like, really? She's like, yeah, because at times it's just you just screaming off the <laughs> microphone about stuff. Um, anyway, I'd like to thank you guys for getting me back into watching professional wrestling again. I hadn't religiously watched WWE since The Rock and Stone Cold were on top. Crikey. You're one of those lapsed fans. Uh, now I'm right into AEW. Went to New Japan last week when they toured Melbourne and had a great chat with a couple of mates discussing everything uh, everything wrestling called Slamboree. <laughs> NJPW was my first live wrestling show and it was amazing. Osprey was so good that he got a standing ovation after his match with Robbie Eagles, even though he was the heel against the Aussie, Aussie hero, rather. Keep up the consistent consistency and much love from Down Under. Looks like Tomo is doing a good job of carrying the Aussie flag for all of us. Well, thank Tomo. you very much uh, for your wonderful, wonderful message. It really means a lot to us. Yeah, it's great. Thank and you. And lastly, Darth Almo says, after the result of the Cody Darby Allen match at Fighter Fest, will you guys be adding draws as a prediction option on AEW events when Wrestle League Season 3 starts since AEW has clearly shown they can, do, uh, can book draws going forward uh, with the use of time limits? That's not a bad idea, honestly. It's funny because it's come up before where... I think there was sort of like a, there was a DQ finish in a match, or there was like a no contest in a mm. match, and someone said, "If if that had been an option, I might have picked it in Wrestle League." And we were considering doing it, but I think the dis- the uh, the discussion we had at the end was, then you just got to have to put down every possible match finish that there could be. Mm. Like, no one was able to predict that Brock Lesnar was going to win Money in the Bank. Yeah. So did we have to put down every single WWE wrestler? that could possibly win it because they can just insert themselves into a match. I, I, I guess the uh, the only other way to do it would be like to have, for a normal like one-on-one match, you have one person win, other person win, no winner, or something like that. And then for something like a Money in the Bank, you could put all the competitors and then next rep should be in like, none of those. Yeah, other. Other, yeah. Yeah, because it would have to be other because you'd have to like guess it was going to be someone else. Like yeah. the, the person it was going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so I, I think certainly, I mean, we don't even have to wait till season three. We can just start it when we do um, Fight for the Fallen next week. You're right, yeah. because the time limit draw is, yeah, very much a case of that that's more likely going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Because it is an actual stipulation that they're putting on it. If we had time limit draw for a WWE match, that would be ridiculous because they don't have those. But I think now that they've showed they have the tendency to actually stick to a time limit that they put on it, Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's, there's a chance we could do that. This comes in from Dan Cook as a Rusev Hay who says, Hello, WrestleTalk family. Brackets. Ollie, Luke, El Fakador, Mr. Chop himself, housemate Simon, and last but not least, name redacted. My name is Dan and I'm from good old Baltimore. I'm emailing you for the first time and recently became a pledge hammer. Woo! I have a sort of Rusev Hay, so it's Rusev May. Sort, sort of Rusev yeah, May. Okay. Rusev May, yeah. Uh, me and my buddies attended ROH's Best in the World pay-per-view. Before the show started, my friends decided to get some food from one of the concession stands. As my friends got their food and began to eat, I got to clean my glasses and I look up and I see Flip Gordon. Mm. As he walks past me and gives me the subtlest of nods. My friends look in shock and say, dude, that was just Flip Gordon. He gave you the nod. After this, we go and enjoy what's surprisingly a good show. I say that only because it was my first non-WWE pay-per-view or show ever. I went in with little to no explanation, uh, expectations and was happy to find that me and my friends had a blast without knowing too many of the people on the card. Match of the night was Shane Taylor versus Bandido. It was a great little man versus big man match. Shane Taylor, big WrestleTalk fan. Another quick thing to mention is as we were walking to our seats, Matt Taven happens to walk by us. As he does, he looks over the smoking hot girls walking by him and just said, Hi, I'm Matt. As we look at the girl and then to each other, yeah, he's going home with that lady tonight. Sadly, adding any pics of flap, uh, flap, 
flip on Matt. <laughs> you can see where the confusion came in. And I know the rules picture it didn't happen, so I guess it was all just a dream. Keep up the great work, guys. Cheers from Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, that's very much a Rusev May. That's, that's a Rusev maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it's super cool just to be able to see wrestlers. I love that your friends freaked out about someone nodding at you. That's, really, <laughs> that's nice. Um, we have an email here from um, Piyush, uh, but it's uh, about wiping. So, um, oh boy, yeah. But he also has a rust talk get better in here, which I'm just okay. I've got to try and find. Ah, anyway. Um, so I've been hesitant to write this get better for a while now, but today is June 16th, and it forced me to write this. More on that later. Uh, listening to every other rest talk get better made me feel good about sharing this so here it goes about nine months ago I broke up with my girlfriend of seven years who I was supposed to get married to in the winter of 2019 because we ended up on different career paths which our 21 year old selves had no idea about August 2018 uh, was a bad period of my life so I'd just gotten over the passing of my father after a long battle with cancer and myself had just recovered from a nasty injury from an accident yes I was driving faster than I should have the tire burst can never be uh, can never be predicted and that put me at 20 kilograms of weight in a period so made me put on 20 kilograms of weight in a period of just six months i'd always promised my then girlfriend that i'd lose the weight before we got married i'd uh, the least interest of losing weight at that time even though i was at the gym every day i spent more time trying to lift weights rather than losing bulk january 2019 i was 25 at 110 kilograms 173 centimeters and pudgy all around and had no intent of getting better because i had very little to get better for but something changed because it was something i actually had to look at myself in a mirror and did not like what i saw every morning and maybe listening to everyone about their struggles about getting better yet persevering through it in my pursuit to get a little leaner i also prepared for a high altitude trek that i may do in may this year i started the dreaded high intensity cardio along with my heavy deadlifts and squats P.S. Ollie, walking is exercise. Try walking a kilometer in 45 degree heat in my city and you'll know. Uh, by the time I went on my trek in May, I'd lost 15 kilograms in just fat mass in two months and put on significant muscle mass and never once was I out of breath even after trekking 15,000 feet in the Himalayas. Today, I am 26. I weigh 88 kilograms and I'm able to deadlift 1.7 my current body weight and squat 1.5 times. And I'm also able to run for long while I've never been able to do that for the last eight years. My current target is to get down to 80 by October 2019, the time I was to get married, and be able to deadlift my squat two times my body weight by the end of the year and also do high altitude treks in the winter. Um, even though my ex isn't around to see me back in shape, I'm doing this better for myself so I can get better. This is my target and I hope everyone in the rest of community also gets better love you all and i love the way pete is getting more exposure in luke's absence luke better have some stories to tell when he comes back well i hope i did and if we're <laughs> talking stories i'd love to hear laurie talk about his tattoos and someone please tell ollie that the reason they aren't pushing robert root is because ollie, ollie abandoned the mustache and i guess andy is all right um can someone tell luke and laurie that the unspeakable lira ogo is actually the old viking symbol Vulcanut, which is the symbol of odin and the guy they met along the uh, back in nxt showed me a tattoo the unspeakable era on his arm actually might be the one with the Volknut tattoo. Uh, I'd know because I have the tattoo of at least five years ago. Uh, love you from a fellow Rambler, but not Pledge Hammer yet. That's from Piyush. Well, tell wow. that to Triple H, mate. Yeah. Triple H is yeah. the one who claims you designed it. Of course. Of course he did. But congratulations on your incredible uh, progress. Uh, yeah, and you'll get better. That's absolutely incredible stuff. And yeah, absolute massive props to you because that's, that's a huge transformation. So I'm also going to keep hold of your. Um, uh, email because I want to point out to you that uh, you said that Ollie is wrong. So, and uh, whenever I get an email in, I try and like make sure that Ollie hears them as much. Absolutely, as he can, and he won't listen to other podcasts that he's not on. Yeah, uh, he true. has a little uh, PS as well. Um, oh no, okay, I think that's about wiping. So I'm not going to do that bit. 
Well, thank you so much for your email. Let's have uh, one more get better before we get out of here. Uh, this comes in from Amir, who says, Hello, Ollie, Laurie, Pete, Luke, Simon, Rust Talk family, and others, but not Randy, Handy Dandy, Blake Ham, piece of crap, screw you. First time emailer. I'm 23, and two years ago, when I just used to watch Rust Talk videos, I had no clue about the podcast and the get betters. I started training with a personal trainer. At the time, I was 133 kilograms and 177 centimeters. I is a height thing a, is a big thing with get betters or like getting better and I think it puts into perspective when you say the weight because if someone oh, if someone right. is uh, might weigh a lot but might be massive yeah. in terms of height I then see. they're not then it won't be as like quote unquote unhealthy I um, see okay you're not looking to like lose or gain height <laughs> no. that, that's what that's what I was double checking what's the secret I want more height. <laughs> You got your box now. <laughs> I've got my box to stand on. Um, anyway, um, after six or seven months, I managed to lose 40 kilograms and I weighed about 88. I managed to keep up my weight consistent around the 90s for a year. Uh, it was not good and definitely way better. A couple of months ago, because of money problems, I couldn't afford my personal training more and I had no job. I now weigh about 96 kilograms. I said this not because of the weight that I had lost before, but as a reminder to myself to start pushing myself again. Recently, I started teaching English in Iran and I had my first teaching class. I'm going to get my weight in the lower 80s by supporting wrestle talk sorry for the long email it wasn't that long and possible grammatical errors there were none please bully randy more we won't do that no. love amir well thank you so much and he has got a picture as well of uh, him which you forwarded across to me there is the before and after photos yes very good very good you have very not... great stuff although the second photo does make it look like you've gained height because of the way <laughs> the photo is framed maybe he has maybe, you don't know maybe he has yeah uh right let's bring that to a close thank you so so much for listening um um, I think we might be back on Monday, possibly, because really? it's Impact Slammiversary. It is, isn't it? And I wonder if we should do a ramble review of it, because it's got a really good card. Yeah. And uh, particularly Sammy Callahan versus Tessa Blanchard. So mm. I'm, I might suggest that we uh, we do a ramble review of, of, of Slammiversary. Are we going to be able to get that approved before we actually do it? Or are we just going to do it? <laughs> um, who's doing the news on Monday? This is probably a conversation we should have off air, really. Ollie. Uh, Ollie. And we, yeah, okay. Well, maybe I'll have a chat to him over the weekend and we can uh, decide upon it. But I think it'd be a good thing to do. Yeah, I yeah. think it would be fun. So we may be back we on might. Monday, but it's a case of Ollie's got to sign off on it. So um, don't get your hopes up if you yeah. are. Just in case we don't do it. But if we're not, if we don't, we will be back on Tuesday for the Raw review and Wednesday for the SmackDown review and Thursday for the NXT review and then the Ramble weekends back once again like a renegade master. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? 
Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.